Welcome to the Trinity Western University Chapel podcast. It is our prayer that these chapel talks would bless your heart and they would draw you closer to our Lord. We offer them to the glory of God and for the good of the world. Well, Ed's maybe learned a few things from me, but I actually think I've learned more sitting in his pew, which I did for half a dozen years than he ever learned from me. But the key is this, not that we learn from each other, but that we ultimately learn from Jesus. The passage I'd like to share with you this morning As a Reformed pastor, we always like to focus on the scriptures from Matthew 11, where we read, at that time, Jesus said, I praise you, Father, Lord of heaven and earth. Get this. Because you've hidden these things from the wise and learned and revealed them to little children. Yes, Father, for this is what you were pleased to do. He goes on to say, all things have been committed to me by my Father. No one knows the Son except the Father and those to whom the Son chooses to reveal him. And then these words we probably all know. Come to me, all you who are weary and burdened, and I will give you rest. Take my yoke upon you and learn from me, for I'm gentle and humble in heart. And you will find rest for your souls, for my yoke is easy and my burden is light. Well, our passage begins, context is important at that time. What was happening at that time is his cousin John the Baptist was in prison because he had criticized his prime minister of his day, Herod, on a moral issue. And leaders don't like to be criticized. So there he was in prison having some second thoughts about himself and Jesus. So he sends some people and says, Jesus, are you who you say you are or should I wait for someone else? Expect somebody else. And Jesus says, you go back to John and you with these messengers and you tell them what you're seeing. And I quote from Matthew 11, the blind receive sight, the lame walk, those who are of leprosy are cured, the deaf hear, the dead are raised, and the good news is preached to the poor. And he adds this, tell John, blessed is the one who does not fall away on account of me. And then he turns to his disciples, if you want to read the chapter of Matthew 11, for some on-the-job training, and he's trying to explain why it is that a good prophet like John ends up in jail, and a man like himself is very low in the polls at that point in time. So he's explaining, he says, listen, These educated religious leaders, and he's speaking about scribes and Pharisees, it's impossible to please them. Doesn't matter what you do, it's not good enough for them. And he says, I'll put it in my own words, you know, John, he came eating vegan and sleeping in a van, and they say he's off his rocker. And I come living it up a little bit, and they say, hey, he's he's exorbitant. He's over the top. A glutton and a drunkard were his words. 
So Jesus says, this generation is a no-win one. They're like kids. You take them to the mall, you give them ice cream, they're still complaining all the time. And so just before our passage, Jesus denounces the towns that he's been in. Yes, gentle and lowly Jesus says this in verse 24, it will be more bearable for Sodom on the day of judgment than for them. And at that time, he says, I praise you. It's a prayer. I mean, this, I praise you, Father, Lord of heaven and earth, because you have not, you've hidden these things from the wise and the learned and revealed them to little children. Why would Jesus pray like that? What are these things that apparently Sunday school children get and the educated don't? And why would it be God's good pleasure that these wise and learned people aren't getting it? You would think that the intelligent, well-educated, influential people with a bit of life experience would be the very ones that you would want to get it. Well, in explanation, first, Jesus is not here rejoicing in unbelief. He's not giving thanks for reprobates. He's never grateful for unbelief. He wants us all to know him who is eternal life. In fact, in the passage, he's actually calling the wise and the learned to listen up and learn from him. He's in no way saying that being wise and learned is wrong or useless. He's not condemning intellectual power. After all, he's all wise. There is no intellect compared to Jesus. What he is speaking against is intellectual pride. Intellect doesn't shut Jesus out, but pride does. Sharp minds have and will continue to come to Christ, but self-made know-it-alls will not. They have no need for this teacher. Jesus isn't looking for ignorance, but humility. The trusting innocence of a child. And what are these things that a child gets to know? Well, in all fairness, what he says next <laughs> sounds more like adult education. And he is speaking to adults, in all fairness, when he says, All things have been committed to me by my Father. No one knows the Son except the Father, and no one knows the Father except the Son, and those to whom the Son chooses to reveal him. I mean, who talks like that? I mean, imagine, all things have been committed to me by the Father. He's talking about God. Such mystery here. The kind of mystery that adults try and figure out and kids are drawn to. 
It's like the difference between sometimes how an astronomer looks at the sky, trying to analyze it, while the kid just looks up in awe. Bookish theologians are trying to get into the Bible and discover the historical Jesus, while little kids just love the stories and get into them. I want to tell you a story about our granddaughter that I help makes the point. Her name is Hadley, and she came in some time ago all excited about Santa, and that really was pushing a few buttons in me. I don't like myth, and I was going to correct her right there. My, my wife said no, so she was hanging around. We were babysitting her. She was sitting. I was in my office. She was sitting there in, uh, in the chair beside me, and so I took an apologetic approach. So Hadley, who is Santa? <laughs> she gladly talked. She's a for probably a minute and a half, describing all that Santa does, how he goes up and down, around the world, down chimneys, and he named everyone in our family in the area, about 15 of us. And then, and this is how she concluded, and I kid you not, he goes all around the world and he gives gifts to everyone, even Americans. <laughs> so I'm smiling. She's not knowing why I'm smiling so much, and I'm thinking, what do they talk about in their house anyways? Well, good news is her, her, her cousin, Nico, straightened her out and said, no, my mom just buys these gifts. So in the end, it all got taken care of. But here's the point. Kids will pretty much believe whatever you tell them. You go to a child and you look, stand outside, and you say, you know, the God that made this great, big, beautiful world with all of its complexity... He actually decided to send his child, his son, into the world as a little infant. And this is God come in the flesh. And they're with big eyes and they'll believe it. See, this is the value of being a child. Is you're ready to accept amazing things like who Jesus is without questioning it. And in his time, as the children got onto his lap, they looked at him with awe. Disciples wanted to push him away, and they said no. Learned people of Christ's day were questioning him, but the children were receiving him. And what they were receiving was what Jesus was talking about here is really the core of the biblical story that God has committed all things to his son. He chose. This is such an amazing piece of theology which we need to embrace to do all that he's going to accomplish on this earth through his son, Jesus no one knows the father like him, and the father, no one knows the son quite like the father, and those to whom he chooses to reveal him. You see, we don't get to set the terms of endearment. They have this beautiful relationship. And if we want to know God, we need to know Jesus. And anyone who will allow him or herself to be drawn to Jesus, receptive to his spirit, 
is pulled into this incredibly rich, redemptive, eternal relationship with the Father. A relationship that makes all the difference. Knowing and learning from this Jesus makes all the difference in life. And so the reason Jesus can give thanks And it's truly something to give thanks for is that it doesn't take a university education or a seminary degree to know God. In fact, often getting an education and becoming learned has a detrimental effect on our faith because all we need is Christ. And there's no better teacher No more humble, no more lowly. He's not pushy. He doesn't force his ideas on anyone. He simply says, come to me. Jesus is the center of all thought. Paul says, in him are hidden all the treasures of wisdom and knowledge. He helps us think clearly. We often think we ourselves are the source of truth. But it's as Jesus said to Pilate, everyone who is of the truth listens to my voice. Do you hear Jesus calling you? Come to me, all who are weary and burdened. I'll give you rest. You take my yoke upon you and learn from me. I'm gentle. And humble in heart, you'll find rest for your souls. I'd like to quote in the end from Augustine. I love the confession we do, but I feel I must just add this before I quit. When Christ comes to us, when we start sensing how much we're loved by God, that's when we start getting the yoke that's light and isn't a big burden. Love, once we're loved, we start loving others. And in love, we start seeing needs. We start seeing problems that need to be fixed or whatever. And then we just want to act on it. That's the yoke that Christ will give us. And it will be different for each one of us. But it starts... In here, and that's the key in what I want to leave to you, with a humble submission to God and his word. So I'm going to end with a quote. Some friends of mine are we're gathering. We did it last week, slowly going through Augustine's Confessions. It's a new translation by um, Beningus. I don't know if I say O'Rourke. And uh, Augustine was incredibly intelligent. He was going to school. He was impressed with the philosophers of his day. And he thought, well, I should read the scriptures. And so he, he reflects on this. Says, this is what I've found with the scriptures. Something that was beyond the grasp of the proud. Something not clear to the immature. Something simple when one first encounters it, but sublime as one advances. At that time, I was not the sort of person to accept 
God's word, to bow my head and follow its lead. My bloated pride recoiled at their simplicity, the scripture's simplicity. My mind failed to grasp their depth. Scripture is such that it grows with little ones, even as they grow. But I was too conceited to bear to be childlike. I was swollen with pride and saw myself as sophisticated. Pray with me. Father in heaven, you know how prideful we can be, how sophisticated, lacking in humility. We pray, O oh God, that we may humble ourselves before your word, before the person of Jesus, and receive not only the nudgings, but all the teachings that the Holy Spirit in Christ will teach us so that in time we will learn with Augustine that we will never find our rest until we find our rest in you. In Jesus' name we pray. Amen.